Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we're going to be talking about the Carolina Hurricanes and their situation. We've done we've kind of incorporated them a little bit in the past, but I think there's such an interesting case study with so many names available in our contract projections that those projections at AFP Analytics on X, formerly Twitter. All their pin tweets, so should be very easy to find by just searching AFP Analytics on Twitter. Got it right the first time. X, I guess I should be saying. Uh, we appreciate you listening to this podcast. It's available on pretty much every single major platform that you might consume a podcast. Please subscribe, um, and we do appreciate you tuning in. Any questions, thoughts, at AFP Analytics is the best way to find us uh, and have a discussion and everything like that. So the Carolina Hurricanes, I mentioned, we've already done one episode kind of before our contract projections came out, but there's been, after we've released our projection, there's been a lot of discussion amongst Hurricane fans, and I think just in general, we've added a few guys to the list, and they just have a lot of good players available. They don't have the cap space to keep those good, all those good players and I think there's even a question of, and we hinted, we talked about this when we talked about them the first time, is it maybe time to embrace the fact that they can move on and retool their roster? So I think those are kind of the questions where we'll, where we'll let this discussion go. First, let, let me give you a quick overview of where the Hurricanes kind of stand, and then we'll, we'll kind of get into some specific players and, and everything like that. So... Hurricanes have Seth Jarvis, Marinakis, and Jack Drury as restricted free agents. So they kind of, the Hurricanes kind of hold the control in those negotiations. Drury and Jarvis are younger and have more years until they'll be unrestricted free agents and free to talk with basically any, any team in the league. And then Martin Neckis, this is basically the last year. Carolina is going to have to make a decision on him, in, in essence, at this point. It's either he's going to be walked to unrestricted free agency regardless of how long this contract is. It's just how many years do they want to try to keep him. And the longer they want to keep him, the more expensive that's just going to be. And then they have a lot of unrestricted free agents two of the biggest defensive names out there brady shea brett pesci and then they also have some really interesting role players i guess before i get to role players tivo teravainen as well as another big name not not defense but at forward bigger name i guess i'll say and then role player wise jordan martinuk stefan nosen and Jalen Chatfield plus Auntie Ranta. I think we're probably going to gloss pretty much over Ranta. He's he's looking a little around a minimum type deal, a little bit over that. So if he if he decides to continue his career anyways. So Marnuke, Chatfield, and uh, I guess D'Angelo as well, but Stefan Nosen would be the other kind of important role player. So four role players, two two big name defensemen one bigger name forward and then some restricted free agents to make a decision on our contract projections if they were to keep most of those guys so that excludes 
Ranta and D'Angelo going long term for those restricted guys. We have that coming out to $47 million. The Carolina Hurricanes do not have $47 million in salary cap space. No, so cap friendly projects 32.8. So that's pretty sizable difference. So pretty much going in, I'm sure the Hurricanes already know this as they look at this list of pending free agents and say, we need to figure out who we aren't keeping. Pretty easy to say, at least initially, they probably pencil in the RFAs returning. Looking at our projections with those two defensemen at the top, Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, I would guess that at least one is gone, if not both. Now, the issue is if it's both, I think there's going to need to be an addition for sure to the defense. So you'll need to factor in money still to do that. But let's say both leave. That's at least from our projections, we're looking at a little over 14 million cleared. So, I mean, that would be pretty significant to free up some space. Teravinen, we've got a little over six million on a five year deal. That's one where I could see them moving on fairly easily because they've got some decent forward depth. I don't know if Teravinen is really providing what he's really perceived to be at this point in his career. So I, I think that's kind of the first checkbox for me is the Teravinen probably not retained. So there's 6.3 freed up from our calculation. Where it kind of gets interesting, we can go back and talk about the defensemen, but I, I kind of want to talk about first those role players you mentioned because I think at least a couple of them might have some projections that fans might not really believe to be where those players should be projected at. But I think the numbers and kind of the comparisons, the perception of these players, it makes sense. Yeah. I think Jordan Martinuk seems to be someone that people at first glance think we are too high on so let me let me say two things to that one we gotta remember the cap is jumping by four million dollars so this is the first significant increase in years and that's going to be reflected in player contracts so we look at percentage of the salary cap so Jordan Martinuk just even under like the previous cap we would have him projected more in the range of Okay, not not significantly different, like two point six million. Not not again, not significantly lower. But you have but looking at the comparison comparable players that are driving him, low end is Derek Ryan with with the Carolina Hurricanes. You're gonna see a little bit of a theme in some of these comparables. Another kind of lower end Vladislav Nemestikov recently with Winnipeg. Another Carolina Hurricane cop in Jesper Faust. Then on the higher end, Eric Halla, 
probably the ceiling and comparison wise this makes a lot of sense i don't know if the perception is the exact same between the players marcus felino from the minnesota wild but they are actually very very similar type of players and maybe you can argue that that deal that minnesota gave felino is a little bit of an outlier and i think i think we both agree with that statement but as far as future contracts that's what defensive oriented forwards are going to strive for yeah and i think even if it is i I wouldn't call it an outlier i think it is probably on the higher end of what a player at that level should expect but that's fine it's one of the higher comps that helped us build this contract um, while also factoring in some kind of around the same cap percentage and some a little bit lower. That That's kind of how we get to these. So two years, about $2.8 million for Martinuk. That's maybe a shock at first to fans, but it's probably about right. Um, a really solid bottom six defensive player. One of the other role players I want to make sure we specifically touch on is Jalen Chatfield. I think the reaction to this projected contract was almost kind of opposite from some fans. So we have three years, about 2.75, we'll call it, AAV. I think fans realize Jalen Chatfield, pretty solid defensive player and say that projection's a little low. He's really good defensively. I don't know if that is truly factoring everything in, though, because I I think one of the big things here that we need to remember is that while Chatfield is playing very well and there's some advanced numbers that show a good defensive impact, got to remember he's pretty much doing it with third line, or not third line, third pair uh, minutes. So he's not necessarily going to get paid like someone second pair, first pair with those same defensive impacts. He's not doing it quite as often. He's probably doing it under slightly lesser competition, if not a little bit more of a lesser competition. So with Chatfield, there's names Dylan DeMello, Patrick Nemeth, Justin Hull, we think, is a pretty solid one. Yanni Hockenpah. Brendan Dillon was also in there. So guys that are kind of that fringe second pair, or at least at the time of their contracts, I think DeMello is a bit better than that. But guys kind of that fringe second pair when they sign these contracts who were known to relatively be a strong defensive defenseman. So maybe Chatfield ends up playing in a bigger role and maybe he still has those defensive impacts and this is a great deal for the team. There's times where that isn't always the case. Uh, We've kind of talked about a recent one who's kind of, I don't want to say it's been a bad signing. I think it's been very up and down so far for him is Connor Clifton in Buffalo. Someone who similarly was kind of on that bottom pair on a really good defensive team in Boston. Gets a little bit bigger of a deal to come over and potentially play bigger minutes. Hasn't 
quite done that. Every once in a while gets a chance with a a better partner. It doesn't always work out. So we, I think, really need to factor in, well, what role has he been playing? And he's going to probably get paid at that role. I think sometimes it it we I can see an argument for maybe adjusting like maybe we're a little bit high maybe we're a little bit low. I I pulled up before we had started recording this episode. I pulled up the comp list and I'm not going to read them right now. Say save the listeners the the names, but there's 30 names in his in Jalen Chatfield's comp list, and as I went through them. There was no disagreement between us. Is like, oh yeah, that one makes sense to be there. So we have thirty names that basically build this out as like as the projection, and I, I just it, it makes complete sense. So could a team dip in and pay him more? Absolutely. That's what the Sabers did with Connor Clifton over this summer, and that was one of the highest overpays in our projections. And guess what? That's not working out so well. It would really be taking a bet on the player, pretty much, that, yeah. okay, we're paying him a little bit more. That probably means a little bit bigger of a role. And so in the Sabres and Clifton's case, it was taking a player, potentially putting him into a bigger role on a team that is not nearly as strong defensively. And that could happen for Chatfield. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. Or maybe the Canes keep him and he keeps playing that same role is strong or maybe he gets a little bit bigger of a role and I want to say that kind of leads us back to those top two defensemen that could stay could go maybe both gone one of them maybe staying it's kind of up for debate of what they should do Brady Shea and Brett Pesci so basically you add up Martinuk Nosen Chatfield were in the range of one Jay Pesci. Close, yeah. Very very close, close. AV-wise. I would rather have the three players in this situation than one. Yep. So to me, if you're Carolina, try and get those three role players taken care of first, and then you make decisions. So And then really, I would prioritize the rfas but because of the way that the kind of nhl calendar works here it might not necessarily be possible to to get all this business done before july 1st hits so so there might be a a situation where you have to kind of trust that you've had conversations with some of the rfas and know where they stand and feel like you can hammer out a deal but if you get to july 1st I think you're letting you're okay with letting at least two of your big, bigger three names. So Pesci, Shea, Teravainen. I think you're okay letting at least two of them walk. If I'm keeping one of them, I might lean Shea. I guess I guess to lay this out. So Shea, Pesci, Teravainen. That's in order of our projected cap hit. So Shea would be the most expensive one in theory to bring back. At the same time, he's the most expensive one to bring back because he's the best one. Pretty much all around, regardless of how you want to evaluate the player, he's playing very well. The other two, there are signs of 
I, I guess I'll say signs of decline. I think Teravinen a little more so than Pesci. Pesci just is really kind of missing the level of offense he's had in the past, but he's not necessarily declining. But it's a situation to monitor. It's different than Shea. Shea is, regardless of how you want to look at it, performing well. So I would say bring back Shea. If you're going to commit to a bigger long-term contract, commit to the one who's playing very, very well. Someone who I think is probably a little underrated, actually, with how well he's playing and how good of a defenseman he is. So, yeah, I would agree. Keep Brady Shea. So for us right now... We're talking a six-year deal at about 7.4, and that might be a little bit of a shock again because I think he's a bit underrated. But you got to pay to keep good play, and that's what you're going to get from Brady Shea. Well, you're a poet, and you didn't even know it. Oh, I heard it. Oh, yeah. I like that you continued it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think where – so keeping Brady Shea works – um, I, I was as you were kind of rolling through that, doing some quick math because we're kind of leading down a direction. So I wanted to kind of project out where we're talking. So we would we would potentially keep Martinuk, Nosen, Chatfield, Shea. That that's kind of where we are. May, maybe one of the two, three role players is is gone. Probably Nosen in this situation. But but I want to kind of lay out why that's important is. Hurricanes projected to have $32.8 million in cap space. Probably going might have to bring in a backup goalie who we haven't really factored into this equation right now. Not going not gonna to spend a ton maybe there, so I'm not going to worry a ton, ton about that. But we need to get into the RFAs because the space is going to get used up very quickly. So... Here, I'll lay out what I would ideally do, and my ideal scenario gets Carolina to, based on our projections, $33.7 million spent, and they only have $32.8 to spend. So this is where Stefan Nosen might have to go, or maybe you have to cut bait with Martinuk. I I think realistically... Jarvis, long-term. I think you need to get that deal wrapped done because I think he's one of your long-term core pieces. Jack Drury, based on our projections, the long-term deal feels like too good of a deal to pass up. So I think you have to go long-term there. So to me, I think the obvious short-term is Martin Neckes. It also brings him to an age where the smart Carolina Hurricanes might basically exhaust his prime years and then thank him for his service and let him walk at an age that he should still get a nice contract and unrestricted free agency but that's probably a contract that might not age as well so to me i would do jarvis long-term drury long-term neca short-term and that basically plus keeping shea and the role players we laid out There's basically all your cap space. So you got to be a little bit strict with your negotiating, but I think that basically works. Yeah, so to kind of run through that, so Shea would be six years, about 7.4. 
they go long term with Jarvis, that'd be seven years, seven point three. We've got Natchez short term, three years at about six point five, six point six. Drury, we would like to go long term. We've got that at a four year deal, three point six. So that, that would buy one year of UFA for Drury. And that's it. Th those are the RFAs. So I would say something that popped into my head when you said the short term for Martinakis, the three years kind of brings him to the age where Hurricanes might be fine letting him go, kind of took away the prime years, kind of would leave him in a similar spot as Taravainen right now. So I think there would possibly be precedent for that. I want to say I agree exactly with how you laid that out. I think what could change is one of the role players I could almost see definitely being gone. And I think it would be one of the forwards, either Nosen or Martinuk. And I, I would choose to keep Martinuk myself. But I mostly say that because I think they're going to want to make some other moves and they're going to need a little bit of space to make that happen. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I know that's a little boring <laughs> for discussion's sake, but Shea, I think, is the UFA defenseman to keep, um, assuming you keep one of them over Pesci. Jarvis, I agree, got to go long-term. Natchez, I think I agree short-term's fine. Drury, too good of a deal to pass up. I've said it to you before, I think, as of right now, the type of player he is, he might be Stahl's replacement as that like lockdown uh, defensive center. I think maybe there's room to grow there. We'll see. But and th and then Martin Uke and Chatfield, I I think for the most part they would be able to run it back just like that and possibly have a little bit of space to bring in another role player probably or maybe. I don't know, maybe they get bold and maybe they're able to move a Kakaniemi and all of a sudden have a little bit larger amount of cap space to go make a bigger move. Hurricanes are usually pretty smart with their contracts and the way they spend money. So I don't think anything too crazy is going to happen here that puts them in a bad spot. I think... If we did see a Tara Vinen deal get done, I would start to have a little bit of concern about what it means for some of the other players, what it, what it means for short-term or long-term for Jarvis or Drury. That's where I would start to have a little bit of concerns, but I don't really, I don't know. I, I have faith in the way the Hurricanes operate. So I, I, think, I think we'll get towards the end of wrapping this up, but I, I want to spend another minute maybe on Brett Pesci, who I think's the other like hurricane player on this list that we maybe got the sh a strong reaction to. I I think for the most part, a lot of people who have looked at our projections have have thought that we're pretty pretty in the ballpark. Uh, uh, been pretty appreciative. Agree. I I won't say full on agreement, but thought that they seem accurate or in the ballpark of what's reality. I think yeah. Brett Pesci is one of the ones that have. 
not not necessarily questioning where we are, but just like, wow, that seems like too much for the player. And I don't and he was one of the ones before we had kind of set this live that we were scrutinizing, I'll say. Him and Matt Roy from the LA Kings were were to me, I was looking at the list before I went live and I said, I think the gap between them is just too big. I still think the gap might be a touch too big. Yeah. We, I think we bridged that in two manners. One, Matt Roy's contract would end up being bumped up just a touch. We, we made a few tweaks there. And also one last year was put on it. So he's, so he's going to get another shot at a contract. Brett Pesci is a six-year contract. So this is probably his last big contract that he's going to get. So those extra two years bridge a little bit of that gap. But we really let the comparable players that are basically spit out to us drive the projection. We're not like that. That's, that's what we're doing is we're finding is we're identifying comparable players, similar contracts signed and letting them drive the projection. As we stood at the midpoint mark of the season, Brett Pesci's comparable players were still incredibly strong. And no matter which way, kind of spun it they remain strong does that mean at the end of the season with him having a subpar year that his contract projection is going to remain what it is no if if he's on my probably short list of maybe potential biggest fallers from midseason to offseason if you will but he's going to have to move away from the comps that were basically spit out and Right, right now at this at the mid season point, we just couldn't move him any more than at all because the comps were pu- putting him where he was. So Rat Pesci, we'll we'll keep an eye on. I, right now, I very firmly stand by it just because it sticks to our process. I, I think it's fine now. The question will be if if we don't see a rebound in the offensive output. That's what would cause a fall. So we really appreciate you listening to this episode of the Max Term Podcast, giving us a follow, checking out uh, the full projections at AFP Analytics on X, formerly Twitter. Uh, Max Term Podcast is available on pretty much every single major platform that you might consume podcasts on. And uh, with that, we'll talk to you next time.